There have been countless stories that have come about as a result of the pandemic. Some are heartbreaking while others are inspirational. The way we as human beings respond to these circumstances say so much about who we are and what we aspire to be. An encouraging thing has been seeing artists and performers who have taken their talents to create work that makes us smile and laugh and remember that we are not alone in all this. Photographer Christopher Fernandez found a way to explore that very idea when he hung a sign on his London apartment window to be read by the inhabitants of a building across the way. That sign said that he was a photographer looking for subjects to photograph in their own flat. Because of social distancing, he couldn't go to their place as he usually might. Instead, he would be photographing them from his own apartment and directing them over the phone. The stories and the photographs walk the line between portraiture and documentary, while also examining ideas of privacy in the modern world. If nothing else, the story of making this all happen is just fascinating. This is Ibarian X, and welcome back to The Candid Frame. Well, there, there are a lot of people who are doing uh, uh, projects during the COVID uh, pandemic, and some of it involves photographing strangers, but I thought that your particular story was an interesting take on it, because I know there's several people who are taking photographs of people in their neighborhood, on their porch, or stuff like that, but just how you initiated your project, I thought was, that's what really spurred my interest uh, even more. So, and we'll, and we'll talk about it, but talk, talk, let's start with what your sort of life, especially your work life, what was it like before all of this started? How, how busy were you? What were, exactly were you doing? I've kind of been going back and forth. I used to work in London about four years. Well, actually, no, now until I, it's about six years now. Um, I used to work for, I don't know if you've heard of Rankin, the fashion portrait photographer. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I worked for him for about two two years or so, and then I went back up to Scotland. I'm from Scotland. Um, I went back up to Scotland, and I kind of went back and forth from Scotland to London because I, I just figured, you know, it's not too far away. I can still manage to, like, come down if jobs come up. It's only, like, a five-hour train or so, so it wasn't, you know, I just assumed that jobs and things wouldn't be so last minute, but... I was wrong. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the more I did it, I was like, God, everything is last minute. <laughs> Nothing is planned. I only recently moved back last summer. So things have just been, you know what it's like. It's like if you, like you, you build up clients and slowly, you know, you get a bit of a flow going. So just before this happened, I was getting into a nice, you know, I was getting into a nicer flow and everything was pretty sweet. And yeah, I had a bunch of stuff lined up and then just, as soon as this happened, everything was, everything was canceled. But I normally do like, I, I still, I still do the odd bit of like assisting and stuff. And I, I normally work as a stills photographer for commercials. So, you know, do the shots for whatever brand it might be. And then those stills will be used to like sell the, whatever it was. Like the last thing I did was for a chocolate <laughs> chocolate advert um you know it's fine but it, you know in a way that's kind of it's kind of similar to 
what you were saying before, like I love like that's almost like the perfect job to get because it's the it's a brilliant mix of like, you know, uh it's commercial, so it's 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 good money and it's also amazing because that you know whatever job you normally do that's paying you an okay amount you have someone behind you like on your ass constantly just being oh can we see that can we see that blah 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 and that is great because nobody nobody bothers at all because half the time you're like you know you're nobody you know they don't even remember that you're there half the time and they just i don't know i think bts stills are kind of like a you know, it's just a, a box to take the like get the guy in. And BTS, BTS is behind the scenes. People don't know. Yeah, it's weird now because they kind of they've kind of blurred the lines a little bit with that role because they call it behind the scenes, but it's not really behind the scenes, and it's actually more like second unit. There's not a massive difference, but second unit is more important than behind the scenes. So they still say behind the scenes, so they can charge less <laughs> or they can get away with charge you know hiring you for less yeah but yeah so it's fun because you know i basically do documentary of these tv commercials and you know no everybody just lets me you know there's certain shots you need to get or whatever but most of the time it's, it's really chilled out so i love it as an actual job but yeah aside from that i do kind of everything like little bits of fashion still life yeah, you know, most people can, it's, it's quite a funny one, I think, because I think as a photographer, you get quite pigeonholed quite fast, oh, yeah. depending on really what you, cool. and it's annoying because it's like, you know, you, you might, you know, advertise yourself as a portrait photographer, but you really enjoy still life or whatever. And no one's going to give you that because you show people that you, you know, take portraits and, it, you know, obviously it makes, it makes sense, but yeah, I don't know. It's frustrating because sometimes you lose out on work where people are just like, oh, don't, yeah, you shouldn't even ask him because he's, even though you could do it, you know, just the same. But yeah. Well, this, so part, this, question. Question. <laughs> this is really kind of, kind of interesting. It's kind of a departure, but it's not, right? It's kind of like a hybrid of sort of documentary and portraiture at the same, uh, at the same time. Uh, how did you, come up with the idea if you explain to people what but the idea the concept is behind the the photograph how did you come up with it and and tell us exactly how you ended up soliciting the subjects for the photographs i mean to be honest i was i was bored i was more bored than anything and the whole thing started with i was in the house and i i just wanted to i i wanted to document the thing the whole pandemic in the first place so yeah, I just I started out just wanted to document it, but I didn't know which aspect to which aspect of it that I wanted, and I th I think I always want the human element in it because I I, I tend to not get like you know I, I I thought about maybe photographing discarded like rubber gloves or going to the the, the grocery store and seeing the the cues and you know photographing that, but then I'd already seen a couple people do it and I I just I, know, I, I wanted, I don't know, it was a bit, I don't want to say boring because that's that's more along the lines of actual documentary um, or, you know, not actual documentary, but you're more like classical reportage stuff. And then I just thought, I was, I think I was, I think I was looking at the window and I was just talking to my friend on the phone and it was 
unusual to see so many because there's a flat that's neighboring us like right in, across the street it's unusual to see so many people in at the same time and i think that was what how i got started because i was like man it would be it would be really great to like if if anybody would be interested in you know actually doing it to photograph them in their own rooms mm-hmm. and it shows their space but i <laughs> I spoke to my flatmate about making a, making a sign. I was like, you know, because obviously I don't know these people. We just moved into our flat. I thought the only way to actually get their attention is probably to, you know, either make a make a sign or try and like <laughs> wave them. And um, I just thought, I don't know, I, I came really close to not doing it because I just thought, you know, I have to live here. People are going <laughs> to, people are going to see that sign and just think, cool well there's an absolute you know nutcase across the street and then from that day onward just be like you know drawing the shades every time i just with the fear that i'm gonna be out there so yeah i knew i came really close to not doing it and then you know i just thought fuck it i'm bored and there's nothing else to do i might as well try you know the worst thing that happens is nobody bothers to message me because i thought oh sorry so i didn't actually explain so the sign I, i made said um it was along the lines of like photographer looking to document your isolation from over here and then i put my instagram and you know again i was like fuck no one's gonna (laughs) no one's gonna do this shit yeah within like 20 minutes i had like a couple of messages from the neighbors just saying hey we just saw your sign we'd love to do this and yeah i was i was so shocked because i was like this is awesome. I was like, you know, and then, and then I actually started getting it rolling a little bit, but I think, you know, I started thinking this would be so nice. I was like, I was like, if I could get at least five, I was like, I'd be totally happy with five. Five was my sort of benchmark. And I was like, if I can get okay. five, you know, I could try and get it. Like might be a fun little thing to try and even get published somewhere. I was like, you know, could be cool. And then I think what happened was I, I did a few more people got in touch. I think four, I think five people, no, four people got in touch. And then the last person, she actually made a sign of her own and put it downstairs in the building. So other people coming in would see it. And then I think I did one more after that. Okay. Yeah. From there, I, I think I tried to, I tried to get it published. I sent it to a bunch of people and nobody got back to me. <laughs> I was just like, okay, well, you know, I'd send it to a bunch of papers and different editors and things that people that I knew and yeah no one really got back to me and then I just thought well fuck it I'll I'll, you know just put it on Instagram because just for for fun you know because I enjoyed the pictures and from that I just went a bit nuts and then a bunch of those people who I messaged got back to me and were like oh really cool and I was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) I was like yeah Cool now. <laughs> so how do we? How, how did you work out sort of the logistics? Because you couldn't go over there and you know arrange things. So you were actually you know, communicating with them in terms of you know how to arrange them, like all that stuff. But you're still doing it from your flat. But how yeah. do you sort of? How did you sort of dialogue with them and in, in sort of to sort of set up the shot in a variety of different ways? On the th- like when we started speaking on Instagram, I just got them to send me their phone number and I, we arranged the time and I was like, you know, I'll give you a call and then just put me on hands free and I'll direct you around the room. I got them 
I phoned them and I got them turning off like certain lights and putting lights on just to see what what they had, you know. And like a lot of them actually had, you know, just different weird lights. Like just it was really it's really interesting because you know they all have these just stuff like by their bed and whatever to illuminate, you know, like reading lights and all that kind of stuff. But that's the shit that I love. You know, I love all those tiny little things that you could easily put right next to you and it would only like do like a portion of your face or a little bit of your shirt or something so i would get them moving around the room and then come up with like because that was a thing that kind of annoyed me was a few a few articles came out about the pictures i think it was i won't say who but <laughs> they basically kind of tagged it like the the heading of the article just made it look really bad and I think it was, you know, to get more like clicks and yeah. it was a bit more clickbait. But it said something like photographer captures secret isolation moments. Oh. And, you know, it was it, obviously it was cool that they did the, the article and everything. I'm thankful because I got a lot of views and people get in touch after that. But it was just kind of irritating because then other articles started using the same thing. And I was like, that's not what I'm doing. At all. <laughs> you know, kind of missing the mark a little bit. Yeah. But yeah, so I would get, I would get them moving around the room and I always had kind of like a pretty rough idea of what I wanted them to do. When you look in the space, you you kind of see there's only so much that you can do. There's only so much you, you can ask someone as well who's, you know, taking part. You know, obviously more people, some people are more willing than others to like, you know, I'm not saying do anything crazy, but just like you can't be there all night going like, okay, cool. Yeah. And just uh, you right. do some jumping jacks now. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, and most of them, I wanted it to be quite, I still wanted it to be, even though they were a bit staged, I still wanted them to be as, you know, natural and close to what they might be doing anyway. You know, I wasn't going to get someone like plate spinning or <laughs> unless you did that, then cool. <laughs> more than, more plates than there. But yeah, I think the lighting was probably the most difficult part because it's quite specific when it comes to when I come to lighting something. So that was it was more annoying than anything because obviously when I'm looking at something, I know exactly how I kind of want things. And you're having to. It was fun. It was more fun because it's the, it's a it's quite a nice collaboration because you're directing this person to do everything you know you're like cool move that light turn that light on stand like this and it's quite a lot for you know <laughs> someone, someone to do but for once i was kind of <laughs> i was enjoying it because i didn't have to do much <laughs> I, had to, I had to you know narrate it but i'm sitting there going like, yeah just move that there <laughs> but how long yeah, was, you, on average how long would you spend with each uh, subject probably about an hour to two hours wow okay i think and Yes, yeah, so it was about an hour to two hours, but I'd spend probably about the first half an hour just chatting to them and, you know, getting to know what they did and how they've been and, you know, what, you know, how their family and everything were dealing with it and what happened with their job and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was just, it was just quite nice to speak to someone else. <laughs> In terms of what you would have them do, because there's like, there's, you know, there's a couple like looking at a computer. There's another guy with his shirt off, leaning over something. Everything was sort of choreographed to a degree. But how did you come to decide or how did you guys together come to decide exactly what scene would be playing out when, when you made the photographs? You know, what's funny is that as soon as you start 
like with this especially because I was like oh yeah I wanted to, I still wanted to look natural and do the things that you would normally do but when you tell someone to do that it doesn't look natural mm. the moments in between where they would be I would say okay let's have you like one of the guys was really cool and I was like yeah let's just have you I wanted I really wanted a shot of someone coming out of the shower and like you know when you're like you you're maybe you're wearing a towel but you're maybe drying your hair with another towel or whatever and uh, I, I had that in mind and I was like that'd be really cool to get and then it would be the it would be the, <laughs> the shots that I set out to do I never used because it would be the other things in the in the in the meanwhile where the guy would just be he'd walk over to get the towel or he'd walk over to the cupboard to open the door where the towel was or whatever and it was that those because he is being genuine you know because those moments are the, are the things that he is being like you know that is how you would do that because as soon as you say oh yeah just open the door people would you know naturally you would you would put your hand on the door and it would just be look really weird and static you know unless you're actually following the you know going through the physical act of openings or or whatever it is you know i think it's it's a really tricky thing to actually get people to do something they do all the time Yeah, that's an important observation. Do you think that that's something you picked up as a result of the the portraiture work that you do? Do I think I've picked it up through that? Yeah. Or do you think you picked up the the sensitivity? Because some people would get so locked in with trying to get what they first conceived that they would Mm. be blind to that moment of spontaneity, which really is the image. Yeah. No, I feel that. Because I used to be very much like that. And, you know, you have... I think I, I, I did something fairly recently for this other thing I'm doing. I just had this shot in mind of it was it was a it's kind of difficult to explain without actually telling you what it is because I'm trying to <laughs> I haven't really told anyone what I'm doing with this other thing. Anyway, uh, one of the shots was it was someone lying on the floor and I had this idea that they'd be on the floor and looking up at this person, but. It was all shot as like a. It was all shot as a scene, and the person was lying on the floor, was naked, and the person looking over them was wearing their underwear. <laughs> the other yeah. person's underwear. Sorry, it's a bit convoluted and confusing. But anyway, the the shot that I actually set out to make, as soon as I got them moving around the room and doing other things, I was just like, God, yeah, that's just not going to work. So no, it's only until you actually do it that I think you. I don't know, you change your mind. It's quite a, it's a tough one because you are, sometimes you are really locked in your head and you're like, no, it has to, it has to be like that. But I don't know, you kind of prove it to yourself that it works a better, it works better another way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I've always been, had an affinity for just letting things sort of play out and me just observing. That's why I, I have mad respect for people who work in the studio, who are able oh, yeah. to exert that level of control and get something that comes off as very spontaneous. I'm not that guy. Yeah. No, I've, I've always said that. Yeah. I've always, I, I embrace chaos and, and then going fishing and seeing what I can pull out from it. That for me is, is the challenge and also the joy for me from yeah, that. No, Laying out the circumstances are great, right? This here's a general sense of what we're going for. And let's just, let's just see what happens. And that for me is just a lot of fun because you can make some really nice discoveries. No, totally. Like even like, you know, that's why I just, I love location shoots because 
it's it's almost cheating in a way because you get a lot from you get a lot from the location, you know, <laughs> just the location that adds like, you know, fifty percent of the of the picture. Thanks to the many of you who have responded to my call for more supporters of our Patreon effort. We've been so encouraged having a few more people make the decision to contribute financially to the work we do. We have set up a lofty goal for ourselves to go from 1% to 7% of listeners supporting the show financially. But I believe in the show, and I know that you do too. And if you can manage it today, please take the time to contribute as little as $5 or more a month. Join us today by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame. Thank you so much. So when I was reading you, you use the same camera and lens. Um, and as you mentioned, you, you're not working with any of your typical lights that you normally work with. So what were some of the, I would assume that you were shooting at high ISOs and wide aperture. Can you explain technically what you had to contend with as you um, as you photograph each each, uh, each group? I actually wasn't shooting high ISOs. I was shooting low ISO and long shutter speeds. Oh, okay. I was talking to my friend, he's a researcher, and um, he was saying. Like technically, you know, I'm, I'm not amazing in terms of like, you know, when it comes to like the techie stuff with photography, like print print sizes and all that. I feel like horrible at that. But he was saying that when it comes to getting like a nicer color, you would you should shoot a lower ISO to get the best quality color you can. And I always thought about that, but. I would shoot. I think all of them are shot. All of those ones, because I've now I've now started doing them across London, which we'll talk about later. But the ones from my window were all shot with a one three five f two lens and Canon Mark four. And yeah, they were all shot about. I think I shot them at about two eight. I can't remember how long the shot was. It wasn't. It wasn't hugely long because people would still, you know, move around and things. But um, yeah, and the lighting in terms of that, I, I figured you know everybody has an iPhone. The light on the back of the iPhone is is quite cool, and you can like yeah. you can slip that pretty much anywhere. You know, half of them I was getting you know getting them to put that on black at like. I don't know, you can kind of stand it up or do whatever you want, get even the person to hold it. It's not even that big of a deal. You can't even really see it half the time. You just see the light. But yeah, aside from that, it was just using sort of, and again, you know, it's like using stuff that they would be, they would have, you know, like the laptop one. And the laptop one's actually quite funny because people think um, that I photoshopped it and they've, <laughs> they think that I've edited it really weirdly because the perspective of how the people are lying on the bed doesn't make sense to how to how they you know how you would be or where the where the bed meets the window. <laughs> what I did was <laughs> they're they're basically I didn't I didn't edit you know apart from like color correcting and give it a little bit of a gray. I just got them like sort of sitting at the edge of the bed, so their feet are kind of hanging off the edge. And she's lying 
<laughs> on him. So looking back now, I am like, yeah, that is a bit weird. Probably wouldn't. <laughs> you probably wouldn't be doing that. But again, it wasn't even supposed to be like, I don't know. They weren't even watching a, a film or anything. I just thought, you know, maybe if he was on his computer, she might just be lying next to him, like relaxing. But yeah, I was trying to, I was just trying to, because all that stuff as well, it's like, it's all things that they have in their house that adds to the, you know, it being a little bit more natural. Well, you just mentioned that you're you're building on this, but photographing elsewhere. Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so when I released those photos, it was like a week after that, um, I got approached about doing a, doing a book, making a book with the images. If I could do, if I could, you know, take it further and do more. You know, they, they basically said they would do a book for, for free and it would be kind of like, you know, uh, totally on the same wavelength of, uh, as me with the whole, you know, it's it can act as like a document later on, you know, looking back and it'd be a really cool thing to to have, you know, remember the, remember the time. Yeah, they basically said if they could, if, if we could get enough images together, they would do a book for free and uh, could design it and things. And I thought, great, well, I'll just put like a call out to people who have already seen these and then uh, see if people across London would be happy to, you know, I was I was trying to think maybe I, I could get more people like on the ground floor. So I started doing, I started doing first floors and ground floors, but the perspective of shooting it up into the first floor got a bit, it wasn't as interesting because you couldn't see as much into people's house. And I think that's quite a big I think that's really interesting about all these different pictures that I've done now is that in, you know, everybody's room, it's always, it's quite interesting. You always see little bits of, you know, people's, yeah. you know, life. It's like, that's what's, even if they're just sitting there, it's like, it's always interesting to just see little bits of things that they have just lying around. So yeah, now I've started going around and doing, uh, you know, continuing the same idea and shooting people through their windows and again, I've, I've just put a call out on Instagram and people have been getting in touch with me. And then when I meet them, I normally speak to them for a bit and just say afterwards, if they know anybody who'd be interested in doing it. And then so far, you know, I've done about, I think tonight was my 40th, actually. <laughs> 40th, wow. Yeah, 40th shoot. So how are you, you know, because before, what floor is your flat on? Is it like on a fourth floor or something like that? I think it's fourth floor, yeah. Okay, so to get a similar look, I would think that you would need to, you know, have to go to someone else's flat in order to replicate it, which would involve someone else that you don't yeah. know. So how, how are you working that out? It's actually not that difficult, to be honest, because I figured if I did everything from the ground floor, you know, the, 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 the shots I did originally – it's only slightly from above, or it looks only slightly from above. Okay. Because I think I only did, I only really did two shots, I think, where I was kind of looking, I was, the perspective was really looking down on them. I don't know, you, you don't, with, with the ones I've been doing, you don't really, you don't really notice too much of a difference. It's kind of, because I'm, 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 I'm framing it just around the windowsills. So it's never, it's never going any further out than that. So it's always quite tight in on the windows. 
So yeah, that's that's actually been fine uh, as long as they live on the ground floor. The thing I was getting with the first floor was it was just getting a bit boring because there's only so much. Again, there's only so much you could see. You can only see the person from like the waist up. So it was just yeah. at a roof. So <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I did a few and then I just decided against it and I, I, I just figured I need to on the ground floor. There's a photographer whose name is eluding me, and they did a something similar years ago in which they photographed their neighbors from their window without without their knowledge. I forget um, what right. the name was, but they he, they photographed the neighbors, uh, but not revealing their faces. Oh, so really? It, it was an exploration of um, you know of voyeurism and that that was sort of implied with it, and it was really sort of a a fascinating body of work and um especially the you know the kerfuffle they raised by yeah. people sort of feeling like they're they're how they were curious about it but also uncomfortable at the same time and i like no, how sure. you're, you're sort of straddling the same concept you know because this is different because you're soliciting the cooperation of the subjects <laughs> but still, it really speaks to this idea that that you, if you are in a living situation like that, where you can see your neighbor's house, that that's that's part of what your life is in that apartment in the flat is looking out the window and seeing what your neighbors are are up to at any given point. And it's that's strange. Crazy. It's a strange thing, but it's like if you're in if you're in that kind of living situation, that's part of your existence. Is seeing someone else's life play out in a way that you normally wouldn't here in Los Angeles, that doesn't exist. <laughs> everything yeah, is so stressed. Um, yeah. I, I can't see into anybody else's house, but everything is literally behind. Oh, you're me. messing out, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's really kind of curious. What, what did they give rise for you? Not just this as a photographer, but this, this whole idea of being able to, you know, not uh, to, to gain, I mean, what does it mean to, to, to really think about this process of being able to peek into somebody else's life? You know, what was really funny is that after, after doing this or whilst I've been doing it, I <laughs> started looking back on all my other stuff and I was like, what's hilarious is that all of this, all of my previous work is all about isolation. Like a lot of the stuff I've done is just one person standing off in the middle of nowhere. And even when I used to work for that uh, photographer, I used to work at like crazy hours. So the only time I would get to take pictures were going to work in the morning, coming back at night. And I used to photograph, you can see on my Instagram somewhere, I think it's on my highlights, but there's, I kind of did a little stream, a little uh, series of pictures of just people who were in restaurants and sitting on their own eating and, you know, just illuminated in whichever like place that we're in. But it was always like a restaurant or kind of, kind of, bit, I don't want to say Hopper because people, I think it's, uh, but it's, I mean, it's a great reference for it. And uh, yeah, so when this started happening and then I, I was actually, you know, making more of a thing of it, I was like, God, this is exactly, this is, you know, is exactly what I love doing normally anyway. And this, and now I get to actually set things up and make it look exactly how I want it. So it's like, you know, it was, uh, it was kind of perfect fit. Yeah. So tell me about your time with, um, with Rankin. How did you come to work for him and how long were you with him and what was that experience like? 
it was good. <laughs> um, no, he, um, so I got the job because my friend, my friend from Scotland ended up being his first assistant. And she messaged me a few years into working for him. I think when she became his first assistant, she messaged me and she asked me if I wanted to come and do a trial. And I think at the time I was like, I was actually doing, a, I was actually documenting this art gallery and I'd kind of made commitments with the guy um, that I couldn't kind of get out of. And she was like, oh, do you want to come down and do this trial for Rankin? And I always knew that she worked there because we kept in touch. And it always just looked really cool because he was up to photographing celebrities. And, you know, it was, you know, in my eyes, like proper photography shoots because the only thing I'd seen so far was like, you know, just kind of like these weird, <laughs> not, not weird, but just these like editorials, you know, that you would do for like a hotel or something like that, you know? And um, it was just, so in my eyes, that was kind of like, oh God, that's like, that's what photography is, you know, like shooting these celebrities in fashion and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, it was funny. As soon as I, as soon as I started working there, it kind of went off the whole, like fashion photography is just a thing that I'm just... I just I don't think I'll ever <laughs> I don't think I'll ever enjoy that much. But on a whole, the experience was really good. Like he he was he was always really nice to me. Um, I think he had because he he likes to think of himself as quite uh, uh, being really Scottish. Uh, yeah, I think <laughs> so. I think he always had a little bit of a soft spot for me. We always got on and stuff, and I think. He was the type of person that I think if you gave him shit back, he kind of liked it because, you know, it was like, so, like you get so many people that kiss his ass that, you know, when you tell him to fuck off, he actually kind of yeah. <laughs> enjoys it. Um, so, yeah, we had a laugh. Um, and, yeah. Did you ever, did you ever tell me a bit about, about this? Your accent definitely indicates... You're Scottish. Some, some sort of Scottish. <laughs> Got it, right? And then you're Christopher Fernandez. I go, okay, how, by way of what? Where does that come in? Yeah, so my mom is Scottish and my dad is Spanish. Ah, okay. So it's not it's not too... too well, my granddad's Polish. That doesn't really come into things. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm kind of really missing Scotland at the minute. I'm just missing the, the openness of it. So uh, even though you're in, in, in the midst of the, the pandemic and... Um, what what are some of the things that you're doing so that once things open up again, that you can sort of get back into the into the grind in terms of getting out there, getting work? What are you doing now to sort of be ready for when things open up? To be honest, like there's not a lot there's not a lot you can really do apart from apart from like emailing people and working on your own stuff it's like you can't really and emailing people you know no one's really gonna <laughs> people were just gonna you know ignore you at the minute anyway so i mean to be honest for what i'm doing now it's just it's just fully working you know working on this project i think that's the best thing i can do because you know actually coming out with a body of work it's like you know i'm actually really happy with myself so i've managed to do as much as i've done already so it's like yeah any more is like any more is a, a bonus to be honest and again i'm just thankful to have something to do <laughs> yeah, but i think that what you're doing now is, is one of the per most perfect things you can do 
is creating a, a personal body of work during this time that not only is interesting work, but it's just sort of a testament to your ability to come up with an idea that's challenging and to see it through. For anyone that's out there who is hiring, I think that's uh, that's a big I mean, plus. I think, you, you know, when uh, that's always kind of what I, I, I would be doing, like if I wasn't working, is that constantly just working on your working on whatever it is you enjoy because it's kind of frustrating at times because not all people can do that like you can't depending on what you know if you're depending on what kind of work you do you can't always just make work you know you can't just spend a couple hours making work i think that's why i really enjoy portraiture because it is something that you can do all the time and you know if you have someone willing to like photographed then then you're cool um and i think that's why i do a lot of that in my spare time but even that it's like you know i've made some i've made some portraits that i've done when uh, i wasn't getting any work that now is actually getting me some like um you know it's coming back in different in different ways you know i've sent it off for a couple of different like competitions or whatever and you know in this time it's like there are a bunch of competitions popping up so it's like perfect for that too but yeah, I mean, it's easy to get down and not do anything because you have to feel motivated and things. But yeah. I was always kind of, I don't know, I always just figured, well, you know, you have to be, not that you have to be doing something all the time, but I just, I, I always get a bit guilty when I'm not making something or trying to think about something or how, you know, how I can go about making something or even with this, like I started getting quite, before I actually started doing pictures, I was like, fuck, I need to do something. You know, this is it's a good time to like try and not to, you know not even to like not not with the idea in mind that I was like oh you know I can like try and make it into a book or anything like that I didn't give a shit but that it was just about you know obviously you should do stuff that you're you, you want to do for you in the first place that's the important thing but yeah you know just to have something at the end of it that you're happy with and that you it's not just <laughs> you're not just sat around doing nothing but at the same time as well you know why not if you've been working hard before this anyways like it's kind of nice to have like a couple of months to sit back and i don't know even just use the time to think about what you could do what's you know when you get back to normality what you can do perfect time to plan well my last question that i ask each guest is i ask them to recommend another photographer and it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that photographer be and why? I think it would be Philip Lorca de Corsia. Oh, yeah. why? Because he, I think he was one of the first people that I saw that blurred the lines between documentary and staged photography. And I remember seeing Hustlers for the first time and I bought the book. And the book is huge. The book comes in, it's massive. I, sp I remember spending a, a day, <laughs> I spent a whole day just going through the pictures and like just studying the what the hell he'd done with the, with the lights. And because everything was just fucking cool. I was like, oh my God, you know, and it was all, and when you read about it before about what it was about, you know, the idea that all these were a documentary, but they were set up like, like this. I was like crazy. I was like, and then at the back, it was even better because they had pictures of, you know, because I didn't have any money at the time and, you know, didn't have great equipment. I still don't really, but like uh, <laughs> at the back, they have like his, his test shots of the Polaroids. And then the Polaroids, you can see where he's put the lights and what kind of lights he was using. And he was just using little speed lights with little adapters on it. And I think that was the moment where I was like, God, he's done he's made all of this with 
with just that like he's got the same thing i have you know and that made that made, really made me think like you know there's not much of an excuse you know you can never blame equipment if you know what you where to put it or what to do with it it's like i think that was what was it was so important to learn from that because and it was just i don't know something so nice about it because even watching him speak about it or listening to him speak about it he he said a lot that he was like yeah i made so many mistakes in that and you know i i didn't know where to put the flash or hide the flash or how i was going to hide the flash you know when you look at the pictures i'm like where where are the mistakes you know because i would love to i would love to know what his you know what he thought were the mistakes but yeah no so yeah philip lord he's amazing <laughs> man thank you i've really enjoyed the conversation i learned so much thank you no lovely thanks for nice to nice to meet you uh, and yeah, sorry, my voice has been cracking through the whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Christopher for joining us. Find out more about him and his work by visiting ChristopherFernandez.com. And if you want a chance to win a brand new Fujifilm X100V, Submit some of the images you've taken at home over the past few weeks or months to a photo contest that I'm involved with in conjunction with Fujifilm America, DxO, and Viewbug. The theme of the contest is your world right now. Light, shapes, and moments. And just like it says, we want to see what you've created while you've been at home. Find out more by checking out the show notes or visiting the Candid Frame website. I look forward to seeing what you've made. If you're a devoted listener and subscribe to the show, write us a review on whatever service you listen to podcasts. Those reviews have led people to take a chance on our show and allowed us to grow. Thanks to DeAntes from Germany for their five-star review. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our mailing list. On the YouTube channel, I offer critiques on images submitted by TCF listeners like you while the mailing list keeps you updated with all TCF events, including workshops and more. Sign up today. And remember, you can support the show by contributing to our Patreon effort or make a one-time or recurring donation via PayPal. Thanks to Cam Shenfield, Naja Kirkendall-Jensen, Jeffrey Nisler, John Fieber, Raquel Arante, Kevin Soli, and Leva Pabasetifor for their recent contributions. Thank you so much. We also provide a series of eBooks on photography available for purchase on our website. It's my way of sharing my experience and knowledge on making great photographs and another way for you to support the show. And if you found that you can't find every episode on the show on whatever service you listen to podcasts, download the Candor Frame app, which is available for both Apple iOS and Android. And because of your generosity, it's free to download and use. No additional purchases are required. The Candor Frame's auto engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker. And our music is from Kevin McLeod whose royalty-free music can be found at Incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.